and welcome to Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life aims to bring you inspirational stories and conversation, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we seek to restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Remo Tenney, the Education Director at the Federation, and joining me is my esteemed colleague, Maria Gallagher, our Legislative Director. Hello, Maria, and welcome. Hello, Remo. It's so good to be with you today. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. We can find pro-lifers in every walk of life, but there are some who consecrate their entire lives to uphold the dignity and sacredness of every human life. In just a little while, we will hear from two such women from the Sisters of Life, a religious community of women whose mission includes walking closely with pregnant women who are vulnerable to abortion, providing them with the support they need to choose life. Their work also extends to those wounded by abortion by inviting them to experience the healing mercy of Jesus. As with each week, we have some important legislative update coming your way. Maria will share with you some myths about the abortion pill, Mifepristone. But first, for some inspiration. Spring is upon us and there is nothing like this season to remind us of life. We watch new life slowly unfurling all around us, just like the baby who takes its time growing in the womb of the mother. In honor of spring, I would like to introduce to you, our listeners, a poem that I came across written by an Irish poet, P.J. Brennan, titled, Please Let Me Live. I am a new arrival. I am a new arrival. In the womb I have been formed, defined by the rarest beauty. Only nature could adorn. Although very tiny, I am a person through and through. And, and should no one render harm to me, I will grow up just like you. They say we all have equal rights from life's beginning to its end. But who can see that all is right and will my life defend? If in this world I need protection, you are the one I would choose to care. I am your child. You are my mother. It's a journey we both share. There are many gone before me. Others trail behind. Some arrived disabled. We are all of a kind. As we reach out for living, knowing our journey is a trial, please, mamas, won't you love us, if only for a while? We all know life is precious. Please don't give up on me. There are so many things I have to do, so much to see, say and see. If my journey is a short one, my life a moment it should be. One kiss, a hug, a cuddle would be a lifetime's love for me. What a powerful piece of writing. It just totally fills my heart. And for those interested, I will attach a link to this poem in the show notes for our listeners to find. So if you go on paprolife.org on our website and go to our podcast section, you will be able to find the show notes for this. Maybe this is just the encouragement that that new mom, you know, needs. Now it's time for a legislative update. Maria, 
Thank you so much, Ramo. The following information is from National Right to Life. Here's a myth. Mifeprax, also known as mifepristone, is the kind of ordinary drug that the FDA considers every day to improve Americans' health. Here's the reality. Unlike other drugs the FDA considers to enhance or improve public health, mifepristone was a drug designed and developed to take human lives, which is something in which a public health agency should not be involved. The FDA has, as a matter of principle, refused to regulate drugs used by states in lethal injections, determining that the safety or efficacy of those kinds of drugs is beyond its purview. It should have applied that same logic to mifepristone and refused to consider an application of the abortion pill. The FDA should never have asked for or taken an application for such a drug, no matter the political pressure, because it is fundamentally inconsistent with the agency's purpose and mission. The FDA's own mission statement begins by saying that the Food and Drug Administration is responsible for protecting the public health by ensuring the safety, efficacy, and security of human and veterinary drugs, biological products, and medical devices. The FDA's commitment to public health, to ensuring the safety, efficacy, and security of drugs used by the American public, clearly means a commitment to the authorization of drugs that cure, that heal, that treat various ailments, illnesses, or conditions, not to those which take human life or put it at unnecessary risk. Unless pregnancy is redefined as a disease, and the health and well-being of the unborn child is somehow determined not to be part of public health, the FDA has no business considering, much less approving, a drug explicitly developed, intended, or sold for the killing of innocent human beings. Pregnancy is not a disease, but is, in the vast majority of cases, a natural, normal, perfectly healthy condition experienced by millions of women each year. It is not an ailment or condition for which medical science seeks a cure. Remmel. Thank you, Maria, for that really important update. It's something that we all need to hear right now. Thanks so much. Now on to the most exciting part of a podcast. Our guests today are Sister Gemma and Sister Isabel Fiat from the Sisters of Life. The Sisters of Life was founded in 1991 by John Cardinal O'Connor. In addition to the three vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, they take a fourth vow to protect and enhance the sacredness of human life. Sister Gemma and Isabel currently serve in the visitation mission in Philadelphia, offering women in unexpected pregnancies spiritual, emotional, and practical support. We had Sister Gemma on our podcast last year, and we can't wait to hear what's passed since then. Sister Gemma, welcome back. And Sister Thanks. Isabel, welcome to our podcast. We are so happy to have you with us today. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I've heard so much about you. So I'm really excited to just have this conversation and get this podcast rolling. Amen. Um, so... As we begin, could you just remind our listeners of your mission as the Sisters of Life? 
Yes, Ramal, thank you for that wonderful introduction. I think you said it beautifully. Um, our, our main mission here in Philadelphia is called our visitation mission, where we serve women who are pregnant and often feeling tempted or um, pressured to have an abortion. And so it's our joy um, to love them and, and accompany them on their journey into motherhood. Um, so that's what we do here in Philly. Um, in the larger community, we also have missions. Um, we do retreats. There's a mission um, to work with um, college campuses, evangelization on college campuses. And we also have a beautiful um, hope and healing mission for those suffering the effects of abortion and who are seeking um, God's mercy, which is a great gift. As we know, um, there's no sin too great for God's mercy. And it's it's beautiful to see women unfold, um, to embrace that truth and to find new life um, after such suffering. Now, I really admire your founder. He's a hero to me. Tell us about the founder of your order and why he established it. Yeah, Maria, we love him too. So Cardinal O'Connor um, founded our order in 1991, but before that he had been doing pro-life work for many years and he had really uh, promised the Lord and himself that he would do anything and everything to defend life. And one of the key moments for him in the founding of our order was was just that he was doing everything he could for the pro-life movement, even material support for women um, in New York where he was, um, but nothing seemed to really turn the tide. And he was struggling with this. And as he did, and as we should when we're faced with these struggles, he took it to prayer. And what he found in prayer was he came upon the chapter nine of Mark. And that's where the Lord says some demons can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. And he, he received this inspiration to found the Sisters of Life, knowing that um, and praying that perhaps this tide of death could be turned when uh, women consecrated their whole lives to the defense of life and the upholding of the sacredness of life. So that's kind of where it all started. That's just amazing. And um, he had such foresight, I think, because yeah. you have grown so much. I mean, the Sisters of Life is such a great institution now. And for him to come up with that idea, it, it just was miraculous. It's really of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And it's amazing because here he was the Archbishop of New York, this huge archdiocese, um, and really approaching the age of retirement when we began. So it, it's totally a work of God. Um, and like you said, a miracle. Mm -hmm. So we're grateful. We're grateful for his yes that allows us to, to give our yes to the Lord. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really curious about this. How are two very vibrant women such as yourselves part of this? Like what drew you to this to dedicate your entire life to the Sisters of Life? Sure. Um, for me, I can share just in a nutshell, I my junior year in college is when I really started to become alive in my faith and started to meet Jesus as a real person, right? And not just as this person I learned about in a book growing up. Um, so that was a, a beautiful time of my faith journey. And during that time, I joined the pro-life group on my campus. And, and shortly after I got involved, um, we got word of this young 19-year-old woman who was pregnant and scheduled for, for an abortion that Saturday, just a few days away. And I remember like we didn't have any information about her. We just knew that this was happening. And I felt so helpless. 
And my heart was drawn to pray for her incessantly, um, rosaries, and my heart was just breaking. And that experience was really powerful for me. Um, through that, I had this conviction that like, this is this is how my heart was created to love. This is what I will dedicate my life to. Um, so at that moment, I had no idea what that would look like. Um, but for me, that was the beginning of of really dedicating myself to the um, to the protection of human life and, and caring for pregnant mothers. Um, so that's that's where the seed was planted of the charism. And then it wasn't until several years later where I, I began to feel the, the call specifically to religious life and consecrated life to give my life totally to Jesus. Um, so at that point, um, the charism was already deeply rooted in my heart and I knew about the Sisters of Life. So I, I went straight straight there and um, it's been such a gift and such a, a journey of, of healing and freedom. You know, there's always more in the life of Christ. So it's a, it's a huge privilege. Um, to be walking this journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, my story kind of began in terms of discernment, um, on a retreat with our sisters, we have women's retreats at our house in Connecticut. And instead of, um, beginning with the question of pro-life or not, I was very pro-life at the time, but I wasn't thinking about, um, religious life. And so Jesus started there with me. I was sitting in adoration and I had this understanding that he loves me more and will always love me more than anyone in the world. And so this invitation to be his bride kind of started. And as, as I realized it, I knew that I had to respond to this great love and follow it. And so I started to visit the sisters more often and quickly it unfolded that not only was I totally in love with Jesus, but this charism that they lived out um, was kind of what my heart was made for, like the, the way that they love every person, that we love every human being, um, born, unborn, old, young, is is a language of my heart that I didn't know I was missing. So that was kind of the gift that made it possible for me to say yes to this life. And I just want to point out that whenever I am around the Sisters of Life, I am just so joyful because your joy is contagious. And, and that must be quite a recruitment tool that you have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, what kind of support do you provide for women who are contemplating abortion? Mm -hmm. um, we have found in, in our culture, there's really a tendency towards loneliness and isolation. So we've found such a power in um, presence, just being with. And so we've become the um, the master of tea parties. <laughs> so um, what we our desire when we hear of a woman, meet a woman who's contemplating abortion is to bring her into our home. So our convent, we, we work and live in the same building, um, which is a great gift to invite um, a woman who's in this place of fear and often chaos and brokenness and bring her into a piece of place, uh, a place of peace. Um, Jesus is here in our chapel on the second floor. Um, so we welcome her in and sit her down and and have tea and cookies, like I said, and really just listen and be, be a friend. And that's where it starts. Um, because we know um, at the bottom of a mother's heart, 
she doesn't want an abortion, right? There's these fears and these obstacles that are that are drawing her to that direction, but we know it's not really what her heart was made for. And so our desire is to create this safe place to allow her heart to unfold. And then from there, of course, there's there's the practicals. You know, sometimes there's helping her get into an, a maternity home. Sometimes it's finding rides to doctor's appointments, helping her sign up for WIC, um, all those practical things. But it starts with building a relationship of friendship. So she knows that we believe in her, that she's not alone, um, that God has entrusted her with this child, right? And so we know that He has a plan for her good and for the child's good, and we're gonna we're gonna help her find that plan together. Um, so it's a, we call it the, the work of accompaniment. And it's really, really such a gift. And it's always an adventure. Every woman's situation is unique. And so we, we never know what the day is going to, um, going to hold, which keeps life fun. It's true. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are many on the other side that say that pro-lifers only care about the baby. Now, it looks like you accompanied them in so. What do you have to say about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's we do. We hear that often. And, um, you know, I was just thinking about this psychiatrist that we know and work closely with in New York City. And she would say that mommy and baby are, are one. And so to serve the mother is to serve the child and to serve the child is to serve the mother. And that's really... Um, an important element to walking with pregnant mothers, that she can't be uh, a mom that she's called to be if we if we aren't upholding her and helping her heal and grow. And so a great gift as spiritual mothers is that we say we, we mother the mother so that she can do um, what she's called to do for this baby and she can love as she's created to love. Uh, so we do, we really, we love both. We're very attached to both deeply. Um, and I think it's important that we never separate one or the other because God has a beautiful plan for that mother and for that baby. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for us if we come across a pregnant woman who is considering abortion? Sure. Yes. I think um, it starts with um, what we've said a little bit already is just being there, right? Being present um, and being a listening ear. So, so often women contemplating abortion, they're, they're stuck in fear. And so to be able to meet them in that place and bring them hope um, is, is a huge gift. We're here. We would love to hear from you. If you ever come across a woman who's contemplating abortion, please call us um, because we'd love to walk that journey with you. We also recently came out with a little video series. It's free online called Into Life. And um, they're, they're, they're very short and they're free and you can watch them. And it kind of explains our um, method, what we've learned over the years of how to accompany a woman who is pregnant and vulnerable to abortion. So I invite you to check that out as well. Um, but but most importantly, I would say to be her friend and to let her know that you're with her and you believe in her and you can do this together. It's so great that um, you have that series up there. In fact, Bonnie, the previous education director and, co- and host of the podcast, has a small group of women um, oh, where we sit and we go through it each week one video a week and we have these discussions and you bring out some really beautiful points uh, in that. And one of the questions that arose in in a meeting, in the previous meeting, 
was how do women in crisis pregnancies come to you? Like, is it by word of mouth or do you advertise? It looks like you have your hands full all the time, <laughs> <laughs> but how, how, how does that happen? Yes, Jesus definitely keeps us busy. Um, women come to us in every and any way. We always say that she found her way to our doorstep is a miracle and it already means Jesus has has something in mind for her. So often it's um, referrals from sidewalk counselors outside of clinics or from friends who we've served in the past, word of mouth. Um, many people, many women will find us online just looking for other options. And um, yeah, we, we receive all, we receive all that come our way. So if you, again, if you do know anyone who's who's pregnant, we, we love to walk with her, but word of mouth is probably the biggest. And going back to the video series, I, I saw an EWTN, um, a clip and it was, it was so fascinating to hear, um, the sister talk about letting the woman empty her bucket mm -hmm. when she talks mm -hmm. and that, that's a profound image. And that really struck me that so, so, so often we want to solve the problems for the woman right away right. and yes. we want to fix everything. Mm -hmm. And that's not what she's looking for. She's looking mm -hmm. for somebody to listen to her. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, that's, that's really um, well said, Maria. Um, there's actually a woman we were meeting with recently. And yes, there's such a difference between you know, I can tell somebody like, don't have an abortion, I'm going to help you. But if she doesn't, if she doesn't know you or believe you or think you care about her, then your words won't mean anything, right? And so this concept of emptying the bucket is giving her that that safe place to let her heart unfold so that she can be heard, she feels listened to and understood and experiences your love, right? And your care for her. And then as those layers kind of become um, peeled away, where she she speaks out her fears and her concerns, then you can kind of begin to uncover um, the love for her child that's underneath. So it, it is, it's it's very important um, and, and a privilege and a gift um, to offer others. And, you know, as, as women, we all love to talk, right? And we need somebody who's willing to listen, especially during these um, difficult moments in our life. And a beautiful Which, thing I would just add to that is that when she does um, have the space <clears throat> and the love to speak, often she is given um, the strength to make her own choice mm -hmm, for life. Mm -hmm. That is really, Really beautiful and empowering for her because mm -hmm. she talks through her fears and she's saying eventually how much she wishes she could be a mother mm -hmm. and it goes deeper and deeper mm -hmm. and when she says it it comes from her own heart there's a particular strength in the mm -hmm. decision um, that's made even if the outcome looks similar she's learned that she can do this mm -hmm. um, she doesn't have to have people do it for her although we are with her in it so I love that, that when someone is able to, to empty the bucket, they often come to their own, their own strength in it. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think too, it allows them to get to the root of what really is the biggest fear or obstacle um, that we can help her overcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so beautifully stated. And what else have you been up to lately? Can you give me a sense of what a day in the life of a sister of life is like? 
<laughs> yes. Um, our days are always very unique, but in, a, in addition to serving women who are pregnant, one thing we've been trying to do more of lately is um, visit high schools and just let the, the young people know that we're here and we want to support them and, and call them higher. So Sister Isabel's gotten to visit a yeah. couple lately. Yeah, it's a great joy. So there's a bit of sorrow mixed in for my heart because we know that um, the culture of life and the culture of death are really at play in young people's hearts and worlds. And so that was part of the inspiration to, to say yes to more invitations um, to speak at high schools because we know that um, they're asking these questions and many are, are um, facing bigger decisions than we wish they had to carry right now. Um, so it's it's a great joy. So we go and we just share a little bit of the charism. Sometimes we'll talk to the girls separate from the boys, but essentially we want to tell them, which many of them don't know really, that God loves them and that they are good and that they um, have choices that they can make with regards to how they live their life. And of course, the pro-life message is, is key to that at the end of the day. Um, will you choose life or will you support those who are struggling? But really, we want them to know how much God loves them, and then they can make moves forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sisters, can you share with us how our listeners can get involved in this mission that you do? Sure, yes, we would love to see you, to meet you. Um, a couple of opportunities to pray with us on a regular basis. We have uh, monthly rosary walks where we, we do all four sets of Mysteries of the Rosary. It takes about an hour in um, different parts of the city, just asking for Our Lady's protection and peace upon our, our city. Um, so that's great fun. Um, and then we also do monthly holy hours here at St. Malachy's Church. Um, where there's adoration and music and confessions. Um, so those are two op opportunities to pray with us. Um, we also welcome people to join us in our mission in service to, to pregnant women. You know, as they say, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Um, and so um, because of our religious lives, uh, we have a, a deeply contemplative aspect of our life um, and aren't practically as available um, as we would otherwise might be. And so we invite volunteers to help us with rides for the women or planning baby showers for the women. Um, so there's a million ways um, to, to volunteer or even behind the scenes if, if someone isn't comfortable maybe with that interaction with the pregnant mom specifically, um, we, we can use help here in the comment and just doing background work. Um, so if anybody's interested in getting involved, um, you could sign up on our website, sistersoflife.org, or send us an email at philly at sistersoflife.org. Um, we would love to, um, to hear from them. Mm -hmm. And we've got just about a minute left. Do you have any closing thoughts for us? Mm. Closing thoughts. I would um, really maybe just an encouragement to prayer and recognition that in this um, world of, you know, the, the pro-life movement and serving human life, um, I do believe that the Lord is calling us deeply um, to believe in the power of our prayer. You know, sometimes um, with even the news you just shared, Maria, about the, you know, the abortion pill becoming so prevalent and, um, you know, now the 
local pharmacies want to become um, abortion pill providers, it can feel despairing. Um, but the Lord is is about a mighty work, and and if nothing else, He desires to draw us closer to Himself, and that will bring graces into the world. So there's always reason for hope, um, and to never be discouraged because uh, He has already won the victory, and, and we are invited to to participate in that, which is all all good and all gift. Um, no matter what the external circumstances look like. Thank you so much, Sister Gemma, Sister Isabel Fiat. We love you. We love your work. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for having us. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.